him, and Jesus said to him, You have both seen him, and he is the one who is talking with you. The Lord, he wants to meet with us. He wants to reveal himself to us. And I think that's why the gospel of Matins of this morning was about the parable of the wedding feast. The parable of the wedding feast is about a certain king who invited guests to his son's wedding. But the guests who were invited, they didn't respond. They didn't respond. And the gospel says that the invitees, those who were chosen and those who were initially invited to the feast, it says they made light of their invitation. They made light of their invitation. And one went to his own farm and another went to his business. And these days, I feel many are making light of the invitation to the wedding feast. Perhaps we are negligent in our participation in the great wedding feast in the Eucharist. Perhaps we're negligent in our participation in confession. Perhaps we are negligent in our invitation to service. And we make light of all of these things. We make light of so many things. And yet God has given us the most amazing grace and we're all invited to participate in this grace. So not, let's not make light of this invitation. Don't make light of this invitation by giving concern to other things, your business, your studies, your, your leisure, a lot of other things that you give priority to. All of these things, they made the wedding host angry. And the wedding host said, the wedding was ready, the wedding is prepared. But those who were invited, they are not worthy. Therefore, go into the highways, and as many as you find, invite to the wedding. So these servants went out into the highways, and gathered together all whom they found, both bad and good. Both bad and good. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. From the gospel of today, we see that the wedding hall will become full of Samaritans. It will become full of Samaritans because the people who were initially invited, they rejected their call to, to come to the wedding hall. One Eastern Church father said that the Lord wants his house to be full. And that's why the Lord went to such great lengths to meet this Samaritan woman, to find this Samaritan woman. And he says, the Lord did not journey leisurely, but with intensity from which we may learn to do God's work with zeal and attention. And I want to ask you, do you do the Lord's work with zeal and attention? Or do we do the Lord's work as like completion? I attended liturgy today, check box. I took communion, check box. I gave the lesson in Sunday school, check box. And we fill a lot of check boxes. But do we do them with our hearts? There was one who attended the wedding feast, and he just showed up to the wedding feast. But he was not wearing the, the wedding garment. So guess what? He was kicked out. He was kicked out. Everyone was invited, but he was kicked out. But the Lord did not invite us to kick us out. He did not want to kick us out. The reason this man was kicked out was because he came not prepared. The Lord wants to be with us. 
He wants to be with us. He wants to reveal Himself to us. And today we want to see how the Lord revealed Himself to the Samaritan woman. The Samaritan woman in the Gospel of today, she asked the Lord many questions. And in each question, it's like an onion, the Lord revealed himself more and more to this Samaritan woman. So I want to go through each one of the replies of the Lord that he gave to the Samaritan woman so we can see what the Lord is teaching us. The first question that the Samaritan woman asked of the Lord, he says, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me? A Samaritan woman, for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. And Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The Samaritan woman, she asks a political question. She asks a cultural question. And actually, the Lord, he doesn't answer her question because the Lord's not interested in her politics. The Lord wanted to take her mind from politics and from earthly discussion, and he wanted to take her from earthly discussion to talk about living water. She wanted to take her from discussing earthly things to discuss heavenly things. And the Lord wants to teach us Not to put, like to focus on the earthly things. He wants us to focus on the heavenly things. And that's why it's interesting, the Lord asked her for water. But he asked her for water knowing that he was going to give her living water. Living water. And... The Old Testament, God always is calling for something. He's always asking us for something. He's always asking us for something earthly. In the Old Testament, what did he ask for? He asked that you bring some animal sacrifices, and you kill them, and you do whatever, and you pour their blood. He's asking for animal sacrifices. So he takes the animal sacrifice, and what does he give you? He gives you something spiritual. He gives you something heavenly. And this is to teach us something important. Is that the Lord is asking for something physical so that he can give us something spiritual. In the New Testament, the Lord says, if you want to be perfect, sell what you have and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. And come and follow me. Do you see how the Lord, He is elevating our mind from the earthly things to the heavenly things. And how does that elevation take place? How does someone change from being, thinking about the earthly things? How does someone think about the heavenly things? How? How? I already told you. It's by sacrifice. It's by sacrifice. Sacrifice is the means to enter into the heavenly. If you want to enter into the heavens, you have to sacrifice. You have to sacrifice. That's why the Lord said, If anyone desires to come after me, let him him deny himself. He must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. If you want to go to the heavens, you have to 
deny yourself. You have to sacrifice. You have to be giving. You have to, if you want to go to the heavens, you must humble yourself. It's by service. Earthly people, earthly people, they don't understand sacrifice. Earthly people don't understand sacrifice. They are not giving. They are not giving. They don't tithe. They don't serve. They don't sacrifice. They don't care for others. Carnal people, earthly people, they use their wealth for themselves. They use it for their pleasure. So the lamb, instead of saying the lamb is for the sacrifice, they rather take the lamb and... And they would rather eat the lamb for themselves Because the lamb tastes good But the Lord is saying No, if you want to go to the heavens Give me the drink And I will give you the living water Lord, The Lord can give us something much better He can give us living water And this brings us to the second question Of the Samaritan woman The Samaritan woman asked Where do you get Where do you get the living water. And if I may add a question to the Samaritan woman, what is the living water? What is the living water? The living water is the Word of God. The living water is the Word of God. The Samaritan woman, I'm always thinking about what did the Samaritan woman take from the Lord Jesus Christ? What did she see? What did she take? What did she get from the Lord Jesus Christ? She didn't witness a miracle. She didn't. Like an extraordinary, like a dead man rising. She didn't see any of that. She didn't take, like, the Lord didn't solve her problem. Like, you know, she had five husbands. She didn't, like, solve that problem. Didn't do anything for her. But the Lord spoke to her. And His words touched her heart. His words touched her heart. Because the words of the Lord, they, are, they have the ability to change you. They do have the ability to change you. Because these words carry power. These words carry authority. They have meaning. Because these words are living words. In the gospel, it's written that people were astonished at the teaching of Jesus. Why? Because His words had power. They had authority. And this teaches us something important. <laughs> Not all words are created equal. Not all words are created equal. If a little child, he put on a little costume of a police officer, and he came and said, Sir, you're under arrest today. You would laugh. You'd say, ha, ha, ha. Here, handcuff me, sir. And you put a little handcuff, and you would do something. And, you, and then you might smack him, Shoya, and then... But if a police officer said the exact same words to you, Sir, you're under arrest. Oh. And you'd be so serious. And you would get into the car. And if you resisted arrest, you'd be charged for another crime. Resisting arrest. It's the same words. But the person who says it is different. The same words, but the person who says it, one, the person says doesn't have authority. The one who says, the, the police officer, when he says it, it has authority. It has meaning. It has power. And so when the Lord says in the scripture, I will never leave you or forsake you, you should believe in that word because his word has power. It has authority. 
And that's why the living word is, is, is so powerful and it has the ability to change us. The living word is the, is the Holy Spirit. And what is the Holy Spirit? What does the Holy Spirit do in our lives? What does the Holy Spirit do in our life? What did the Lord Jesus Christ say about the Holy Spirit? What will the Holy Spirit do? He said, when the Comforter, the Holy Spirit... Deacons, I mean, they don't know. When the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, comes, He shall teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I have said to you. So the Holy Spirit is bringing back all the words of Christ. That's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit brings the words of Christ to our mind. The Holy Spirit inspires our thoughts. The Holy Spirit inspires our prayers. There are some people they pray and they say, and then there's some people who pray inspired by the Holy Spirit. And their prayer, they cry out and they say, Abba, Father. It's different. It's different. In a secular understanding, living water is water that comes from a spring. And it's one that's flowing, it's one that's refreshed, it's one that's made new. Water that collects in ponds or ditches or lakes, these waters are not living. They are stagnant waters. Stagnant waters become breeding grounds for algae, filth, Zabela, everything nasty is in the stagnant waters. And when we cut ourselves off from the Holy Spirit, we become like the stagnant water. We become like the stagnant water. We become sour people. We become sour people. We lose our sweetness. And instead of saying good words to each other, maybe you say bad words to each other. And you, you, your relationships become, uh, and everyone, and uh, people, uh, and everyone divisive. And why? Because you became sour people. Because you are not feeding on the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not the source of your life. And then this sour water becomes breeding ground for sin. And then we get in sin, and sin, and sin. And it grows and grows. And the water becomes more and more murky. The Holy Spirit is what connects us back to the source of all things, which is the Father. It refreshes us, it washes us, it purifies us. That is what the living water is. And now that you know what the living water is, now you can answer the question of the Samaritan woman. She said, where do I get this living water? Where do you get the living water from? Where? Where do you get it from? Huh? Finn, you get the living water from the scripture. The scripture, Hayade, is the living water. The, ro- the Lord reveals himself in the words in the scripture. To drink the lo- living water, to eat the living bread, is to read the Holy Bible. This is the essence of the spiritual life. How else can you get the living water? You get the living water from... The sacraments of the church. The Holy Spirit is working in the sacraments of the church. 
And since we are in Lent, I want to emphasize one sacrament of the church, and that is repentance and confession. The Samaritan asked the Lord for the living water, and when she asked for the living water, what did the Lord tell her? What did the Lord tell her? Huh? What did he say? He said, go call your husband. Go call your husband. And I feel the Lord said this to confront her about her sins. And actually the Lord confronted her about her sins in the most gentle way. So gentle. So gentle and so easy. Because the Lord wants to take away our sin. But we must confront our sins and say... You know, no, you had five husbands. You had five. And the one you're living one now is not your husband. We must confront the sin. And actually, the Lord confronted her about her sins so that he could take her and reveal more of himself to her. And this is so beautiful because when we confess our sins, the point of it is not to dwell on our mistakes. But the point of it is so that Christ can take us higher. He can take us higher. It's as if the Lord wants to take us to a high mountain, but the sins, they're too heavy, and they bring us down. So we must take off our sins so that we can ascend higher. And I think that's what the Lord did to this Samaritan woman. Which leads to the final question that the Samaritan woman asked her. She said, our fathers worshipped on this mountain. And you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Do you see how the conversation went from five husbands to, to worship? The conversation went from five husbands to worship. The Samaritan woman, if she was like us, she would have spent five hours fishing for five husbands. Uh, this husband did this, and this husband did this, and then this husband did this. And we would have spent, and just speaking about all the husbands, and all the mishakil, and all the problems, and all the stuff in our life. And she could have spent the whole conversation speaking about Kullil Arabda. But the Lord wants to take her from. Husbands and sin and says, stand up, stand up. Okay, we got, we're over that piece. Let's talk about what's more important. What's more important? How do you worship? How do you worship? Do you worship in spirit and truth? He says, you worship on this mountain. There will be a time when the true worshipers will worship God in spirit and truth. And I feel that oftentimes, we're sitting here always discussing our problems, discussing this and discussing this. When actuality, Christ wants us to focus on how to, to worship in spirit and truth. To know where is the Messiah. To worship in spirit and truth is to worship the Messiah. That's why the Lord told the Samaritan woman, you are worshiping what you do not know. He told her, what are you doing? You're worshiping on the wrong mountain. You are worshiping incorrectly. But there will be a time when you will worship in spirit and truth. Truth 
is what the Messiah wanted to give to the, to the Samaritan woman. She wanted the, he wanted the Samaritan woman to forget about her past and to focus on the truth. And that's why the Samaritan woman, she went out and said, Come see a man who told me all that I ever did. He told me the truth. And similarly, my prayer for us today is that we meet the Messiah, we see the truth about ourselves. We see, wow, I have a lot of sins. Wow, I've become sour. I can't believe I've become this way. I can't believe I've done these things. I can't believe. And to confess those things and to move on and to see how to worship God in spirit and truth. I hope for the remaining part of Lent we can worship God in spirit and truth. For God is seeking such to worship, to worship Him. And glory be to God forever. Amen.